Thanks for checking out this episode of Business Black Belts. I really appreciate you listening and hope you get some great insights out of today's leader. Let's dive into the show. Welcome back to Business Black Belts. Laura Hoover here with you today. Another fantastic leader with us, Mr. Tommy Lindstroth, the CEO of Green Badger. Welcome to the show. Why don't you get us started? Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you're doing, you know, all the information just kind of right up in front. Sure, Laura. And thank, thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to chat here today. Again, I'm Tommy Lindstroth. I'm founder and CEO of Green Badger. And no, we are not a company that goes around uh, painting badgers green, even though that would be kind of fun. Uh, maybe that's a, a side business we'll get to. But Green Badger is a software platform for the construction industry to try and streamline and automate green construction compliance. So we are here to make sustainability affordable and implementable for the entire construction industry by taking a lot of the time consuming, uh, monotonous tasks that are done by hand and spreadsheets and clipboards and really sort of be like a turbo tax uh, for green construction. And we can automate all of that so that our customers who are the builders and the contractors of the world can focus on getting their buildings built on time and on budget and not chasing down paperwork for compliance. So for the ignorant human that I am, take me through some of those like automations that you started to implement, like the like kind of the specifics. Cause I'm thinking, you know, person coming out to your house, like about to go do construction, you know, with, with the whole tool belt, taking measurements, writing them down on a scrap of paper, and then going back home to then take 12 hours to manually put in the measurements. <laughs> Wow, you, you know, you wouldn't be too too far <laughs> off. You know, a lot, what I found is that so I've been in the, the real estate development construction industry for twenty years, but it's still you know you go up to a construction site and there's fencing and stuff, and you really don't see, and it, all you know it's it's there's somebody who's like waving you through on traffic, and like that's your extent of of construction. But you know, really from when they get there and set up their job trailer until you're handing over the keys to an owner, there's just as you can imagine all sorts of intricacies that go on to get that building built. And then when you throw on another layer of, hey, well, we want it to be as sustainable as possible, as energy efficient as possible, the uses as healthy materials as possible. That's just one more layer of complexity. And uh, what we do is try and make that go by as fast as possible. So really it's a range of things from how are you managing all of the waste on your site and how are you diverting it? And how are you demonstrating that it's going to a recycling facility and not into a landfill? to you know, which products are you using? Is the paint you're using gonna emit a bunch of toxic chemicals or is it a healthy paint uh, that's not gonna do it? So you know, where did our steel come from? Or what, are, what ingredients are going into the ceiling tile that's going into your building all the way through you know, walking, where you'll see people walk in the job site with clipboards. And if you see that big orange fence that goes alongside that's called silt fence to make sure that a bunch yep. of dirt is not just going down the drain. And so like people are literally walking that with clipboards and taking pictures to demonstrate it. And you know, that's required on pretty much every single construction project and everybody's got a clipboard and we think that's not the highest and best use of time um, all the way through indoor air quality inspections to make sure that your construction activities aren't dragging a bunch of pollutants in so that when you walk into your brand new house or your brand new building, there's a bunch of drywall dust coming out of your uh, your ductwork at you. So a lot of those things are just manual processes that are, are being documented with, with clipboards, with written notes that are then taken back and getting scanned and digitized. And it just, 
all that takes a lot of time and effort. And yeah. we think, hey, if you can do that all from your phone, you know, go ahead and, and save yourself the time and effort. So I'm going to backtrack quite a bit here. What got you into this sort of stuff? Like, like real estate construction in general, because that's just a fascinating path. Like for anybody. Not what I would have scripted. (laughs) Not what I would have scripted. So I got, uh, I caught the sustainability bug back. uh, Now I'm dating myself, but back in the the late 1990s when I was in college and uh, they didn't call it sustainability then. So to me it was environmental studies. And so when I would go back home from college every every couple of weeks, not 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 enough, according to my mother. But when I'd come back to visit, uh, I grew up in sort of a suburban neighborhood with a lot of uh, farm fields and woods that we used to plant. And every time I came back, there were more and more of them were just gone, and there were some you know track subdivision coming up. And I was like, man, that's not cool. And so really, resource conservation became uh, a, a big interest in college, and I didn't really know what that meant, and I was mostly done with my college career. So I got a minor in environmental studies, not really knowing but that, that opened my eyes to what all falls under that type of, you know, stewardship and conservation. And then, you know, nobody hires you with a minor. So I took a job in business and was doing some marketing and was like, man, this just is not my jam. I don't know what exactly I need to do, but I know first step is I've got to get more educated. And so decided to go get a master's of environmental studies. Um, uh, as mentioned, I was in Wisconsin and it was cold. So my, my requirement was it was warm and on a coast wherever I ended up. So yes. ended up moving to Charleston, South Carolina, which was no snow to be seen um, and got a master's in environmental studies, which was really a multidisciplinary approach where it took a lot of public policy stuff and science and sort of wove them together. Because what they found is you get a lot of scientists speaking science speak that nobody can understand and a lot of political policy stuff in policy wonk speak that no one can understand. So how do we make these groups talk to each other? And so coming out of that, my focus is actually on uh, dealing with uh, climate change from a local government perspective and what local governments could do. So I was like sort of in that nonprofity policy world uh, when all of a sudden I saw this opportunity from a developer in Savannah, Georgia of all places that said, hey, we, we want to become, we want to develop real estate and we want to do it green and we we want to figure out how to do that and uh, ended up taking that job and pivoted from where i thought i was going to go in this nonprofit world into into development uh, which then grew into you know all all aspects which was the design construction and occupancy of, of real estate in the southeast and how do we figure out how to do that as as sustainably as possible while also making money to be yeah. we were not a nonprofit we were a for-profit um, and we figured out how to do that. And then that grew into consulting. And uh, as I was consulting, I was seeing all these people carrying all these clipboards and picking up cans of paint and looking at it and seeing, is this is this something I should use or not? I was like, my goodness, this goes on for like three years of a construction project. It takes forever and you've got to track all this stuff. I was like, this is nonsense. There's got to be a better way. There was not a better way. Um, and so pivoted towards technology and said, look, I can work on a handful of projects as a consultant, or we can help thousands of projects figure this out through technology and so now i'm now i found it and uh, and running a, a a green software technology company so not not what i would have thought as i was uh sitting my junior year in in college in wisconsin figuring out why the forests around my house were disappearing so what does what does green construction start to look like like is it just like the materials used or is it the like the way you go about building something 
or it's is it solely like there's a heavy design component you know a lot of those decisions get factored in early in what type of building what type of systems are we putting in where are we putting this building uh, geographically is it on a redeveloped site is it on a site filled with you know red redwood forests so there's a lot about site considerations and then it's efficiency of the building how much energy does it take it's about the materials you use uh, are they local are they recycled would you have to ship them across the world and then finally it's about the healthiness of a building and it's are we putting things in there that are going to you know inflame your allergies is there things we're going to put in there that are going to exacerbate sick days or are we creating a healthy environment that you actually want to show up to every day um, my first job before I got in, you know, before I made the, the pivot uh, and went back to school, I was in this windowless office in a cinder block building and, you know, it was dreaded going in there every day. And it's like, you know, if I did that affect my work performance? Yeah. You know, when you're like, God, I just can't stand being in here versus, hey, I'm in a healthy, light filled, good acoustic building, you know, it's going to, it's going to pay dividends for your workforce down the road. So really it's, you know, the human factor, the material factor, the energy factor, all of those go into what we'd call a green building. Now, if there's one thing I know about construction, it is one of the last kind of industries to take up like really nice high tech technology. How, like, how has it been going for, for, for you guys to be able to integrate with the construction, with the real estate industries? That is a, a, a fact. It is one of the, the slower adopters of technology. I think the least investment in tech when you look at industry verticals, fortunately, it's been changing over the years, but you still, I mean, I guess Microsoft Excel is considered tech because it's not a computer, but if you look at the industry reports and it's still like Excel is really high up the list of tools used in the construction industry. So um, a lot of times, yeah, we're our biggest challenge coming into the market and even today is not necessarily that, hey, use us instead of the other software you're already using to do this, because fortunately right now we're, we're sort of out there and there isn't anyone really doing what we're doing, but it's just change management. Stop doing a spreadsheet, right? It's not, don't, don't, it's not an iPhone versus a, versus a, a Google Pixel phone. It's stop using a landline, you know? <laughs> Stop using landline and use the cell phone. So a lot of it is just change management of bringing it in and making it approachable and making it, you know, app app fatigue, app overload. How do we get around that? So we do a lot of just change management, I'd say. So kind of along the, like that line, was there any like moment in time or like a, like a story that you could think of that really was like it solidified your belief in this, like? this is actually happening. People are actually like doing this, you know? So there's a, there, there's a, there's a couple and they're all just customer success stories. And it's, you know, the way, once you get them to use your solution, then it's like that aha moment. And it's like, for the love of goodness, I would never go back to how I was doing it again. And just hearing that it's like, thank you. Like, my goodness, I was up to my neck in spreadsheets and literal piles of paperwork on this last project. And that has all went away. It's just like, okay, it's not just me. It's not, it's not just me thinking this will work. We've got people that are paying to use the software that are telling their friends about it. Like nobody, they don't talk about this type of stuff. Hey, what do you, what are you doing for your green construction management? Like that's not a water, a, a water cooler topic typically. So when we get other people calling us and saying this guy from this other project said we really need to check you out. It's just so uh, reaffirming and really helps us know that what we're doing is making an impact. So we're making an impact, right? We're, we're, we're 
Succeeding in our goals to try and change and bring the construction industry into the 21st century using technology. What are some of those goals like going into the future like with this? Besides making the construction industry, you know, 2023 tech wise. (laughs) So some of the, there's a lot of just, you know, green evolution, right? It's like once we figure out something, then you get to the next. So it's one of those things that it's just not static and it's, you know, it's just going to get more, more stringent. And now it went from individual buildings to broader, well, what are you doing as an entire organization to reduce the impact of your construction activities? And so if you're, you know, the, the term ESG or environmental social governance, you know, how much carbon is coming from the job site? What are your emissions? How do you manage this? So we're starting to just see a broader array of regulation or customer requirements uh, coming down. I mean, we live in the world of the general contractor and they basically say, look, if you put it in the plans, if you if you tell us to do it, we'll do it. If you want us to paint this entire building pink, we'll do it. If you want us to track our carbon, we'll do it. Like, just tell us and we'll figure out how to get it done. Uh, the challenge being that it's just, you know, there's just additional requirements, but that for us is just an additional opportunity to say, do you really need to add 10 more spreadsheets to your job or do you really just want to use this as the opportunity because you know these new requirements there's not like you've got best practices for already so if you're going to go and figure this thing out like start start yourself off on success let's start with a solution that's architected to do this and save you a bunch of time don't start with the spreadsheet like you do on some of these other things like let's try and elevate that starting point a little bit and it's good because they don't have you know there's not bad habits or 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 best slash worst practices that have been in place. So you don't have to break. It's less about change management in that case, because there's no habits that you're, you're trying to change. It's really, Hey, we'll help you figure this out. And we've got a great platform for it. That'll save you a bunch of time and money. Maybe this is your, your opportunity to, to use a tech enabled solution here. Interesting question on, on that kind of front as well is we we see a lot of trends like it's really easy to see trends in some of these like slower moving kind of industries per se when it comes to change is there something that you're really looking forward to that is starting to emerge or you think will hit it big so i remember like a few years back it was like convert every home into a smart home right have everything hooked up to like you know google home or something like that and at least in the midwest i haven't really seen it taken off yet (laughs) especially in like in, like implication of it like from that or like putting it in like in your work environment uh like at an office or something but like is there something on the actual construction side that is starting to actually take off now or in theory may yeah there is and i think it's you know i come from the, the midwest as well too and i'm in georgia which is not necessarily always the most uh, proactive in some of these. So I think what happens is you just end up with the ripple effect and you start to see these trends yeah. coming in the Northeast and in out West, and they just kind of, you know, sink in until they get to the other areas, which being in Georgia and back when I was doing consulting in real estate, it was great because I could just copy <laughs> what I saw people doing in, in some of the other states. But I do think uh, you know, we're seeing a growing push for, uh, the, for, for ESG metrics and, and having a little bit more transparency, not necessarily as a, you know, a dictation of what you should do, but just in having transparency, more transparency and accountability into the process. And I think I don't, I don't see that as a flavor of the month. I think that's going to get 
broader. And I think you start to see again that the my customer, the general contractor, their clients, they're asking for it, and soon they're not going to be asking for it, but they'll be demanding it. And you know, we're, we we as an industry respond to that because I mean, again, that's that's what the the person who's paying you is is telling you to do. So you might believe in it, you might not, but you'll do it because otherwise you're at a competitive disadvantage. And so I think you know you see some markets that are going to be leading that way, but I think a lot of these customers build. Yeah, big big companies that build data centers in the middle of Iowa are asking for this stuff, right? So if you're in Iowa, you're figuring this out because it's being driven uh, and it's coming to your community sooner rather than later. So I think uh, elevating the conversation around ESG specifically in in the construction industry is is going to be a trend that's going to be here to stay, and it's going to be an opportunity for for contractors to frankly demonstrate a lot of good stuff that they're doing. You know, you see people driving a uh, an earth mover digging holes and you're like, Oh, that's gotta be bad for the, for the world or the planet, but it's not necessarily. And I think uh, yeah. the, the construction industry does a lot of good things. They do a lot of good things without being asked to or demanded to. Uh, and I think ESG will help just shed a light on some of that. Yeah. Actually speaking of ESG, that's something I want to ask you as well, because I know the term ESG has been floated around for a while, but there always seems to be this vagueness like no one's really, at least from my perspective, no one has defined it in its totality. Like, is, is that still a developing process? Is that now finally, like, everyone's coming to like together and like, okay, this is it. This is what we're doing. I wish that was the case. I think this is one of the, yeah, it's, this is one of the cases where it's like, man, it's, everyone hates regulation, but if it, if it's regulated, at least you know exactly what it is. Right. And yeah. Now you've got, 10 different industry groups all saying, well, it's this, it's that, it's this. And it's like, well, which one is it? Don't, again, our contractors, they're like, just tell us what to do and we'll do it. Don't make me figure this out and go have to become a sustainability guru. I'm trying to get a building built. So I think that is one of the bigger challenges. And I think, frankly, there's been a big, a heavy emphasis on the E side of things that you hear people just say, oh, we're, we're interested in carbon or energy, so it's ESG. Well, not really. Like You're interested in one specific thing. The whole point of ESG is to say, look, it is, it is a bit broader, and we do need to worry about the social components, and we do need to make sure that there's you know, government's practices uh, and policies in place. But I, to your point, I mean, uh, part of the challenge is you've got a lot of different frameworks for it. Nobody's saying one is better than the other, and they don't all necessarily align. So we're trying to come at it because it's so new for the construction industry. And just say there are all these frameworks and there's a thousand different things, but like here's a roadmap and we're actually developing it right now as an ESG implementation plan. So it's not overwhelming because you know, with anything new, there's a million things you can do. And if you pick the most difficult one to start, yep. you're probably not going to have success. And then you're going to be like, screw all this, I quit. So we're building a roadmap to say, look, no matter where you are in this sustainability journey, start here, then move to here. Like here's a logical progression. And, and once you get that firm base in place, then maybe you will say, well, one one direction makes more sense to me than the other, but at least let's start with the nuts and bolts and get uh, good tactical efforts underway for ESNG, and then you can go from there. But don't 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 go overboard and like uh, reach for the reach for the sun here and end up uh, and end up failing altogether. Yeah, don't don't get too close to the sun. Those wax wings will melt. Uh, exactly. You will have trouble. Uh, it's a very hard landing. <laughs> um, so stepping away from business for just a, a, a few minutes, what do you do to kind of get away, 
to kind of have fun, de-stress, like for the moment, cognitively stop thinking about, you know, being a CEO in the moment and just being able to like, okay, now let's go. I wish I did, did it more. This this year was really busy. So unfortunately I didn't get out as much, but man, I love, I love getting out on the mountain and going skiing. It's like, it's hard to think about anything business related when you're trying not to kill yourself. So uh, it's <laughs> true. Don't fall off the chairlift. Don't run into a tree. Uh, don't run into anybody else. So skiing is always a great disconnect for me to help uh, normalize things and uh, get it out. And it's also, you know, I've got I've got two wonderful daughters. So anytime I'm engaged in their activities, it's the phones away and it's you're you're focused on on what they're doing and their enjoyment. So fortunately, I get a lot of a lot of that uh, and trying to have a, have a decent work life life balance with it. So it's get me in a kid's activity or get me out skiing and uh, I can disconnect fairly well. Now, I do know slightly of the U.S. geography, but Savannah, Georgia does not seem like the coldest place in the U.S. to ski. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you travel to like Colorado, Utah, or the Northeast? I've never fallen skiing in Georgia. I can, I can state that with a fact, but I don't think you actually skied in, you can't ski in Georgia. No, uh, we go different places. So the gotcha. Northeast is pretty easy for us to get to just because there's no time zone change. So it's, uh, we really love, lo- I love Vermont and we try and get up to Vermont, uh, both in summer because it's lovely and certainly to do some skiing. Uh, and if I have, have the luxury of it, we'll get out West. I love Colorado, Utah, uh, for- had the fortune, good fortune to spend this past Christmas up in, um, in, uh, Sun Valley, uh, Idaho skiing. So I certainly, I'll, I'll take wherever I can get it, but uh, Northeast and out West, they're both, both lovely places. Yeah. I, I, I don't, not the best skier. I don't particularly like skiing, but I know like a lot of my family members do. They love the mountain West, gorgeous areas. I know a lot of like where the ski places are out there, but I'm glad that you find passion in skiing. I'll stay on solid ground that doesn't move. Fair enough to each their own. <laughs> Exactly. So I want to thank you for coming on Business Black Belt. We're nearing the end of our time. If anyone wants to get in contact with you, whether it be more about you, more about Green Badger, is LinkedIn going to be the best way? Is it going to be through email, their website? Yeah, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, we're on all the normal socials at getgreenbadger.com is our website. And you can find Green Badger on the Twitters and uh, Instas and Facebooks and all of that other good stuff. Um, and yeah, we'd love to love to connect. Amazing. Thank you again so much for coming on Business Black Belts. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And then same to all of our listeners. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Business Black Belts. Should you want to see more content on both the show, marketing, and business in general, feel free to check out my LinkedIn. Thanks.